Okay, open your Bible to Matthew uh, chapter number 18. Matthew chapter number 18. I'm going to be somewhat concise this morning. How many of you already felt the presence of God real strong in your life today? Praise God. We've been talking about how the Lord is a good Father, and it's really one of the f- uh, fundamental understandings of who God is, is to recognize Him as a good Father. So many times in our life, we, we get the impression that God is like the hammer, uh, uh, but He's not the hammer to His children. No, He's not the, he's not the, the, uh, uh, the penalizer of His children. No, He's a good Father, you know. And even, even in our lives, as we grow and, and, and become adults and all the things that, that happen, and, you know, you don't have to really be an adult. I got a good friend of mine that uh, we play golf together occasionally when I can, and He's like uh, way, way, way older than me. Way, way, way. He's in here. That's why I'm saying that. He's way older than me. But I swear he acts younger than me. <laughs> so you don't have to grow up, you know. You don't have to on the inside. And, and, and it's, it's important and it's imperative that we understand and we recognize that there are some things that growing up doesn't really help. There's some things that, that, that being, you know, so wise in your own mind, that doesn't... Can I just say this also? This week I've had several uh, meetings at our new building, and, and almost every single day that I had a meeting there, somebody from the church has driven up in the parking lot, laid their hands on that building, and just prayed the power and presence of God in that building. So give yourselves a hand clap for just the... The perseverance, I'm driving out, somebody else is pulling in, I pull in, somebody's already there, then the pastor of the church that's there, he's telling me about people that have come by and are praying for him while he's around doing things, and it's just, a, yeah, we're just making a really good impact, even, even though uh, that church is in some major transitions, they're having to make some changes and stuff, uh, but we're making a good impact there, and it's because of you, uh, and, and the faithfulness you've had, and the, uh, the, the purposeful intention of making the place that God has provided for us a place of prayer. And I just salute you for that. I honor you for that. And I thank you for that very much. Matthew chapter number 18. Jesus is there, the Son of the living God. And the Scripture says, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, number one, that that sounds a little bit haughty if you just read it like that. But I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. You know, Paul said, Press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ, which means he was pressing to attain something. So maybe they really wanted to know, hey, what's our best course of action in this kingdom? Because it was a brand new kingdom. Nobody understood it. Nobody knew everything about it. But it was new. So for them, it might not have been a terrible question. It might have been a very good and valid question. They might have been uh, pure in their thought processes on it, saying, we want to do the best that we can for you. So who's the greatest? What, What do we press towards? What is this idea that we should strive towards? And Jesus, uh, being Jesus, who typically uh, gave an answer that was accurate, but most oftentimes not fundamental with the status quo of the time, uh, called a little kid over to him, set the child in the midst of them. Uh, so he's sitting there, and he puts, probably puts the kid on his lap, if I had to picture it. And he says, Verily, I say unto you, except you be converted except you uh, turn yourself, except you uh, uh, shift from one direction to another, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So the disciples ask, who is the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus says, you can't even have a ticket to heaven. 
unless you change yourself, your thought processes, you change your mentality to be like these little, this little child right here, this, this, this small child. You can't even, so don't worry about the greatest. You know, we'll get to that. Uh, but, but, but you can't even access it until you get to be uh, like this uh, little child. Verse 4, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He said, you can't even make it to heaven unless you're like a little child. He said, and if you want to be the greatest, you've got to walk in humility. You've got to recognize that it was not yourself that bought you. It was the blood of Jesus, and it'll be future in this tense, but the blood of Jesus that's paying the price for you. But there's a, there's a, a void of, of haughtiness, a void of that... That that have you ever just just known somebody that that you know they got a problem with everybody? They look down at, at everybody. Maybe they're a racist. Maybe maybe they they always got something to look down to when it comes to race. Or maybe they're they they, they do it on some other lines. Maybe they maybe they're just always looking down. Maybe the boss is never knighted. They're always talking about their boss. And if they they are a boss, they're always talking about. It. They're always haughty. They're always just looking down. I'm so thankful I'm not like that person kind of attitude. Which uh, uh, Jesus actually spoke directly about that kind of stuff. Uh, but just that haughty mentality. Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, you got to be like a you got to be like a child. That's 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 the entry point. That's how you get into heaven he said but then number two you've got to you got to just be humble like this little child see children have a humility that you can't purchase they have a humble nature uh that that, listen uh the world changes them out of oftentimes they come to this world with this humble attitude verse five just so we're continuing he says and who shall ever ever who whoso easy for you to say Whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, now this is interesting, receives me. That's enough reason right there to volunteer your time in children's church. We have a powerful children's church. We have lots of volunteers. But I'm telling you, any area where Jesus said something that strong, I get involved in. That's why when people walk into our new uh, children's church area over our new church, they're going to go, oh, my goodness gracious. Why did y'all do this? Jesus said, whoever we receive is a little child in his name is like receiving him. So if, if taking a little child, that's why, I don't know, and, and again, uh, I'm the guy with the microphone, so a lot of times I have to tell stories about myself. It's not because I think myself anything. It's just because I don't know your stories. So this is the place where I would inject your story if I knew your story. I've made it a point. Uh, ever since I found out that Jesus is so interested in children that I do my very best not to ignore children. I do my best to speak to children. I do my best to make sure children feel special. I remember as a child I had, uh, uh, I won't be too specific, because I have found that if you preach and it gets recorded and you put it on the Internet, sometimes people hear it that are in the story and then they call you. (laughs) So anyway, uh, there uh, I have memories of different units of my family growing up. Of uh, this unit, would just every time you would walk in the room, they'd make you feel special. It doesn't mean that they always had a, a present for you. It's just they made you feel special. And I remember this unit of my family, that every time you walked in the room, they were trying to get you out of the room. You kids, get out of here. 
Would you be quiet? Get out of here. Now, my parents were never like that. So this was not my, my parents, none of my immediate family. But it was, it was, look, you kids just go outside. The adults are going to talk. And there's time for that. There really is. But listen, if you receive a child in the name of the Lord, can, can I just say to you, they're a lot smarter than we give them credit for. And if you tell them, I'm a Christian, I love God, and you act a certain way, the rest of their life, they're going to think that that's how Christians act. So if you're the representation of a Christian, which literally, literally is the representation of Christ, and you're being haughty and ugly to children, oh, I'm worried about this next verse. He says, And whosoever shall receive one such little child, one such little child in my name receives me. Verse 6. But whoso shall offend one, oh God help us, one of these little ones which believes in me, that's the ones behind us over there, if it were, it would be better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, a big rock, and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. I think about my family and I think, uh-oh, I'm just kidding. But you're the representation of a Christian to children. And we're not going to talk about children all morning. Uh, but, it's, but it's interesting to see the shift that Jesus has here. He goes from, all right, guys, look. You want to know who's the greatest in the kingdom? I'm telling you, you can't even get a ticket. You get a ticket to the kingdom by, by converting yourself and being like one of these kids. And then if you're, if you're a humble, if you, if you do, then, then, then that's who's the greatest. And it's just kind of, everything's just kind of answered and answered. And I just see this whole shift. And then all of a sudden, Jesus, maybe he takes that little baby. He says, would you go play over by that tree for a minute? I'm going to talk to the adults. Little baby runs off. He says, and I'm telling you right now, Whoever offends one of these babies in my name, it'd be better if they were anchored to the bottom of the ocean. Because Jesus is serious about children. Now, you are also his child. That means when somebody comes against you, ooh, how do you pray for your enemy? You get a picture of what God might do to them if they don't change their ways. He said, if you mess with my kids, I got a wife, y'all. Let me tell you about Crystal. She's not in here, so I'm going to talk about her for a minute. She's like the sweetest uh, most meek, most mild person on planet Earth. I mean, just, just. Oh, I mean, she's just laid back. I mean, the kids. It's like you know, they're 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 just they're, the kids. You know, you know, kids are they're loud stuff. And and I'm like, you guys. Oh my goodness, can y'all be quiet? And she's she's like, she doesn't even hear it. She's like, oh, they're just babies. You know, just super duper sweet and gentle. And if anybody's ever ugly to her, she always gives them the benefit of the doubt. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And she's like, I think we should. And it's just always, just, she's just the nicest human I've ever personally been around. Honestly. If you don't know her, you should, you should meet her before you leave. Because if you don't like me, I promise you'll like her. 
I've never met anybody that doesn't like her. I just thought of that. And I've never met anybody that doesn't like her. And I love her. But anyway, she's the just most gentlest, most kind, most all these different things. Unless you mess with the kids. And then it's then it's like this 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 being that just erupts and i'm like whoa oh my gosh what's what's going on and and it's just this it's just this unique thing that that just happens i remember one time it wasn't here it wasn't in college station wasn't in brian wasn't in the brazos valley i'm trying to see if it's too late for me to stop this story oh i'll go on with it then so she's in this this grocery store oh god help us how many of you have been shopping with three kids or more? Just wave your hand. Ooh, it's different. It's different. We get a babysitter sometimes and go grocery shopping. For real. We go on our date. She's like, what do you want to do? Get the kids some clothes without them pulling everything off the racks. Great date. So she's in this grocery store, and our oldest, Haley, is two. And, and uh, my kids are phenomenal kids. They're wonderful kids. They're filled with God. They're filled with love. He said, well, you're just bragging. No, I'm speaking the Word of God about my children. There'll be enough people while they're here for 120 years that'll say something negative about them. Their parents, we just speak positive about them. We just speak the Word of God over their life. We just tell them that they're more than conquerors. We just tell them that they're blessed coming in and blessed going out. We just tell them that they're a, they're, they're a vessel for God. We just tell them, and we'll say, well, well, do they ever act out? Yeah, sure they do. What happens when they act out? We remind them who they are. We don't ever tell them, oh, you're stupid, you're wrong. We tell them they're wrong if they're wrong. You're stupid. We never say that. We say, whoa, 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 that's not how you act. Whoa, whoa, that's not how we act. You know, you're different than that. You're strong. You're, you're filled. You're, you're just always, and, and, and God is never the hammer for them either. We don't ever use God as a hammer on our children. Don't ever use God as a hammer. I know more children that were raised in a, in a, 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 a very strong religious environment that have run away from God because God was always the hammer. No, He's a strong tower. We run to Him and we're safe. That's what the Bible says. So God's not the hammer anyway. So uh, uh, my, my kids, they're just good kids. Bless God, you don't believe me, meet them. But they're good kids. So uh, she's got uh, Haley, who's two. And Haley means holy. I believe that's how we picked that name, if I remember right. So she's pushing a little holy child around. <laughs> and and, and she, she comes to the thing, and I didn't realize this. Maybe you guys understand this. She goes, she goes, it's so frustrating to take the and she couldn't at this time, but she says it's so frustrating to take the kids. Uh, um, what are we even talking about? Shopping? It's so frustrating to take the kids shopping now that they can read. And I'm like, you know, what do we want? Illiterate kids? What are you talking about? She goes, no, you get to the checkout at the grocery store, and the tabloids are there, and the front of the magazine say all kind of stuff. I said, huh, never thought about that. She said, so I go and I tell them, pick out some candy. And while they're, while they're picking out candy, I turn all the magazines around. I said, bless God, woman, that's what I'm talking about. So Haley's about two years old, several years ago. She's walking her through. And Haley's, she's, she's checking out at Kroger. Uh, not this Kroger, different Kroger. She's checking out at Kroger. And 
uh, somebody comes up and says, oh, uh, that's a cute baby. So, oh, thank you very much. She says she looks like she's about two years old. Yes, she's two years old. Two years old. She says, the person says to her, says, says oh, those terrible twos. I'll be, and starts to point at, point at Haley. And says, I'll be glad, I'll, your mom will be glad when you get out of those terrible twos. Crystal broke their finger off and threw it in the street. Not really. But she stepped in front. She said, there's nothing terrible about my Haley. They said, oh, I'm just talking about, well, you might have that. I can't speak to you. But there's nothing terrible about my little girl. No, she's a blessing. She's a joy. She's, she's the light of our life. We love her. Hey, did she ever throw a tantrum? I think once. No, I'm just kidding. Sure she did. But she's not going to let some... Who, who knows who this person even is? Come and offend my baby. It would be better for that person to have a millstone hung around their neck and chunked in the ocean than to mess with Mama Bear Crystal Hallam. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, you're God's child. He's a good father. If you got somebody raising up and railing against you, now get a picture of what God said He's going to do to them if they don't stop it. And now you can start praying, Oh God, turn their wicked heart before they get thrown in the ocean with a rock around their neck. He's a good father. He will fight your battles for you. He will do what you should. He will do on your behalf what you cannot do. Uh, the Scripture says uh, to be like a child. Well, how are children like? Well, they're naturally forgiving. Naturally. No, we teach them all the other stuff. So for you and for me, we've got to get back to that natural forgiveness mode. That doesn't mean that we lay in the street and let a truck run over us 15 times. There's nothing in the Bible that says you're supposed to get kicked around the rest. It's not in the Bible to say that you're supposed to get kicked around the rest. It's not there. But at the same time, uh, you've got to get to the place where your, your knee-jerk reaction is, I just forgive them, I just forgive them. The Bible says if you don't forgive people that do stuff to you, God's not going to forgive you. That's in the New Testament. They're, they're quick to forgive. They're, they're quick to overlook faults. The Bible says that we're supposed to be uh, adults and mature in understanding, uh, but the Scripture says that we should be like children in malice. In anger and frustration. Let me give you an example. If you will go look at a, a playground, you see two kids playing, and kid A kid, uh, pulls uh, kid B's hair. Kid B runs over to the teacher. Uh, kid A pulled my hair. Wah! And they take kid A, and they make kid A sit in the corner or stand in timeout for five minutes or whatever they have to do. And before you know it, kid B's coming over there and go, can they be out of timeout yet? I thought they pulled your hair. Yeah, but, but they didn't mean to. And I want to swing on the swing with them. And I want to do the teeter-totter. I want to do the seesaw. And it's so hard to do a seesaw by myself. I'm just, the seesaw is this without somebody else. <laughs> Children are quick to forgive. So we're supposed to be mature and understanding. We're supposed to know this Bible. We're supposed to understand the love of God. But we're supposed to be like children when it comes to getting angry and stuff like that. We're supposed to be children when it comes to be like children when it comes to forgiveness. Where you know, children uh, uh, also 
if given the opportunity, now this is where humanity drops the ball a lot, but if given the opportunity, children naturally turn to their father. They naturally see their father as a sign of strength. So dad, don't blow it. If you haven't been focused on that, bless God, refocus today. Children are very good at, at, at forgiving and forgetting and all this other thing. But, but, but as a father, you're the representation of what God is like. That's a big responsibility. That's a big responsibility. To be to that child what the Lord is like. But a child will naturally, will naturally draw to their father. What's God like? The Bible says, if you know the Son, you know the Father. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John show us that Jesus went about healing, delivering, setting free, building up, and doing all sorts of good. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you're wondering what our Father in heaven is like, He goes about healing, setting people free, touching the hurting areas of our life, and what's interesting is it's regardless of how you got in your situation. He's still the answer. Uh, you see, uh, so many different times we, we, we want to worry about how did I get here and why did I get here instead of recognizing that He's the answer and those two points don't even matter. Now that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to figure it out so that, won't, so that we don't circle back to it in our life. You know, we ought to use wisdom. But if you would get off of the how and the why and get on the who, you can press towards the mark a lot quicker than you would have otherwise. Let me give you an example. There was a woman in the Bible. Come help me, Matthew, please. There was a woman in the Bible that was caught in the very act of adultery. Now, that's an interesting thing. Caught in the act of adultery. They take her and all the religious people. They drag her into the street. Throw her on the ground. They're about to kill her with a bunch of rocks. And Jesus shows up. So this woman literally, and according to the law at that time, was supposed to be executed with rocks to be stoned. She was supposed to be killed. Now my first question is, is where's the guy? Because it takes two to tango. If she was going to get killed, he should have been killed. Period. Thank you for your support. All the ladies said amen. And all the men said amen. No, he's no respecter of persons. This lady wasn't wrong by herself. Absolutely not. So they drag her over and they're about to kill her. So we can surmise that because she was in sin, she at least was partially, if not completely, at fault for her own sin. We can agree with that. She's at fault. Sin put her in that situation. And they're about to kill her. And the Pharisees are trying to tempt Jesus. They said, what would you do, Jesus? He said, well, let me talk about it for a minute, will you? He begins to draw in the dirt. Some historians believe that he was writing out the sins of her accusers. How would you like that? The next time you decided to say something ugly to somebody and, and Jesus just showed up on a chalkboard and said, they did this. Or if he sent out a text to everybody that you know all the bad things that you did. The worst thing you ever did in your life. Don't dwell on it, but just for, for that long, think about it. 
Oh, I'm out of it. Whoa. What if everybody knew that? This is where she was. Probably the worst day of her life. And she got caught. You just didn't get caught. It's quiet in here when we preach the truth. It's a silly morning. These cold snaps will get you. Well, that weather felt good this morning, y'all. Are there any deer hunters in the building? <laughs> Never mind. So they're going to kill her lawfully. She put herself there even though they drug her in the street. It was her sin that put her in the position. And Jesus said, whoever hadn't sinned should throw the first stone. Everybody leaves, puts their rock down. She's laying there trembling. Jesus is the only one left. Jesus said to her, says, young lady, where have your accusers gone? She said, they left. And he said this, it was so powerful. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. There's a movement that stops before the go and sin no more. It's just the neither do I condemn you. We've got to read the whole text. He said, I'm not here to condemn you. But go and don't do this anymore. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end therein is death. There are things you can do that might not uh, cost you your soul, but it might cost you years off of your ministry here. So Jesus takes the woman who sinned and put her in that position, and he became the answer. There's another story in the Bible where there's a little boy, or a man actually, who's blind from birth. And they bring to Jesus this man who's blind from birth. And they said, who sinned to make this man blind? Was it his parents? Because they were so wrapped up in the why and the how. They didn't realize the who was standing beside them. And they said to him, they said, who sinned? Who did this to make this man where he can't see? And Jesus said, nobody sinned. No, 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 no. He's just blind. One translation, you go right back to the Greek, it, it says it like this. But for the glory of God, I'm going to heal him. Jesus heals the man. So for no fault of his own, for no fault of the parents, this young man was affected adversely. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust alike which means good things happen to bad people. How many of you wish uh, uh, all the heathens would quit winning the lottery and, 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 a, and a good Holy Ghost Christian from New Heights would, would win the lottery? I'm not telling you to go play it, by the way. I don't play the lottery. Well, it'd be a miracle if I won it. Didn't even have a ticket. Anyway. Bad things happen to good people all the time, too. We've got a lot of questions. Some we'll never get the answer to this side of glory, but if we spend all of our time meditating on the how and the why, we may lose focus on the who. You see, the woman in the 
act of adultery had done everything wrong and Jesus was still the answer. The young man who couldn't see had done nothing wrong to deserve that and Jesus was still the answer. You see, he's a good, good father. So many times in our lives, we, 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 we get really intellectual about it. And I'm about that. I really am. I want to know the depths of these things. I want, to, I want to get in the middle of it. But it's who He is that matters most. It's who He has become that matters most. It's what He brings to the table that matters most. Not where we've missed it or not where we've hit it. Not where we've tried and not where we've failed. It is Him that matters most. He is a good Father. I don't care if you did something wrong and you are feeling like you're the lady on the ground about to be killed with rocks and it's totally justified. He's still the one who will deliver you. I don't care if you're like the blind guy who's sitting there going, Oh God, I didn't do anything to deserve this. And he was right. But Jesus was still the answer. There's something about getting a proper perspective of who God is that will cause you to live a life that is so filled with faith that when everybody is saying you can't, you say we're going to buy a building anyway. There's something about whenever you understand He's a good Father and He's for you and not against you that when the boss comes around and says, I got bad news for you. We're going to lay some people off and you're on the top of the list. You can still walk out of that building and you can lift your hands. You can say, you're a good Father and you supply my needs according to your riches and glory. There's something about living for God when you recognize He's a good Father when you get the bad report. And it's in paper and it's in front of your face. And somebody says, oh, that's the one there. You say, no, that's not the one. That's just a thing. I'm in covenant with the one. What happened to make this happen? You know what? We're going to get wise about it. I would encourage you not to smoke cigarettes. Can you go to heaven and smoke cigarettes? I don't think there's a smoking section in heaven that's actually down below. Can you make it to heaven if you smoke cigarettes? Yes. You'll probably get there before we do. The point that I'm saying though is we can be wise Meaning we make good decisions in our life. You know, if there's a, 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 a shark tank filled with shark and they're throwing, you know, scraps of fish in it, I would encourage you not to jump in there. It would just be wise not to. So we can still live in wisdom. We can still pursue the hows and the whys to, 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 to live our life holy and upright to God and do our best to press towards the mark. But if you're ever feeling condemned, if you're ever feeling attacked, the how and the why are always subordinate to the who is the answer. He's a good, good father. Please bow your head and close your eyes.